Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A view from the Bullings are delighted to announce that our second event in support of Everton in the community is on Thursday the 26th of August. Join us for an evening with Kevin Ratcliffe, Derek Mountfield and Goodison Park Stadium announcer Graham White. A limited amount of tickets go on sale Friday the 2nd of April at 9am. For more information, please visit our website at www.thebullinsview.co.uk. We hope to see you all there for a great evening and a fantastic cause. Hello and welcome to A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Ben Wynn Stanley, and our two very special guests today are Paul, who is also known as the Esk on social media, and former Everton player Derek Mountfield. Derek, Paul, thanks for joining us. No problems at all, boys. Uh, thanks for having me. Lee, an absolute historic day yesterday for Everton Football Club, arguably Everton's biggest ever victory. What does this news mean to every Evertonian? It's absolutely huge. Make it, it can't really be underestimated. You know that this sort of the news of, of Bramley Moore, it's been circulating now for for a good couple of years, and you know it's been tinged with a little bit of doubt, and you're just worrying. You know, hopefully nothing goes wrong and it all goes to plan because we've seen the designs and we've all got so excited about it, and rightly so. And just to get that news that it's all signed and sealed and over the line it's just a massive relief and we can finally look forward to what's going to be just an unbelievable sight on on, on the iconic Mersey waterfront it's just you know if that doesn't whet the appetite for the future for Everton Football Club I don't know what will of course obviously half half the night then turns to the fact that we've got to leave Goodison Park and of course you know you saw the reaction to the tweet we put out this morning I think that stirs up a lot of emotion with Everton fans because Goodison means so much to everyone. Uh, we've seen all our favourite players. We all remember our first game and Goodison's just iconic in itself. But obviously as a club, you know, it's imperative that we get this new stadium and, and we, we push forward in terms of the revenue it's going to bring and um, you know just, just the status and, and obviously the draw for, for new players and potential new players coming in. So... You're right. All the words you've used make a, a spot on. It's it's a it's a landmark day in the history of Everton Football Club. One we'll all look back on, um, and let's just hope in the in the what maybe three or four years between now and when we move in that we can grace Goodison Park with one last bit of silver because that would be the a fitting way to leave the ground. But yeah, just so exciting, um, very emotional actually. Ben, I want to just just touch on Goodison Park still. How hard is it going to be to, to, to say goodbye to Goodison Park? Oh, it's going to be incredibly difficult for all Evertonians. Um, we've been there since 1892, uh, 39,414 current capacity at the moment. But we, we look, we, we need to improve, we need to expand. But going back to Goodison, we're not just leaving Goodison Park. 
believe in a ground and a legacy, a place where us Evertonians have called home since 1892. It's, it's a place where we meet our family, our friends, have drinks, have the occasional pucker pie, have a laugh with everyone. And I, I'm absolutely gutted. Um, I remember my first game with Dad taking me and it's just such a, such a special place. Um, and I'm absolutely devastated. But you look at what we're doing as a club going forward. We're not just abandoning the site. We're not just abandoning a place that we've called home for so long. It's obviously developing different things, different aspects there of everything in the community, um, high-quality, affordable houses, multi-purpose health centres, uh, community-led retail spaces for obviously young entrepreneurs, food, drink outlets, youth enterprise zone and green space as well. So you've got to look at us like a club. We're not just abandoning the area. We're, we're going to leave our legacy and we're going to leave it with pride and professionalism. Um, obviously, some Evertonians have we absolutely gutted, but it, it's much needed, this movement. We needed to obviously help with the, with the accounts, the books. And we haven't had a season ticket waiting list like this for, for numerous years. There's a, there's a demand now to go and watch Everton play football. Um, and it's it's just such an amazing day yesterday, um, getting the all clear from the government. And to actually, it's been a five five years now, wasn't it? Obviously waiting for that day. And it's been a, a loads and loads of up and downs. Um, so I'm absolutely gutted, Mick, to leave uh, such an iconic ground in modern day football. But I'm pretty sure we're going to get it right uh, moving to Bramley Moor. It's going to be an absolutely special day. Um, but like I said, I'm absolutely devastated, Nick. But going forward, we've got to look at the positives going forward for the uh, the business side of aspects. Mm. Degsy, just touching on Goodison Park still, and just what Ben's just said there. Goodison Park is kind of the last of the old historic stadiums still alive. Um, how important is it that we take as much what's good about Goodison over to Bramley Moor, things like the atmosphere and the intensity? The atmosphere comes from the fans, full stop. Uh, if we get the stadium right, the reports are there's going to be a, a big bank out of Tottenham down at White Hart Lane, which I went to a couple of years ago, and that is, for me, the benchmark we've got to try and match. Mm. Um, can we take the atmosphere in Goodersburg? I think we can do. Can we get the intensity? That's down to the players. It's going to be a total new ball game. How many clubs have gone to new stadiums and struggled for a couple of years because it's it's a totally different atmosphere around the place. Goodison is tight, compact. It's it echoes, it rattles, it shakes, it vibrates. Will the new stand have the same sort of feeling for the players? Because it's going to be a totally different stadium to what they're used to playing in. Goodison Park for me is, as you say, the last of the iconic old stadiums, wooden stands, wooden seats, but it's got character. But the problem with Goodison Park now is it's a tired stadium. It looks tired. We're putting lipstick on a pig every season to make it look tidy. And in four or five years' time, we're going to go to a brand spanking new stadium right on the banks of the Royal Blue Mersey. And we've got to make it as fans what the players want to come and get to. It's going to be a great place to go to, but the fans will make the atmosphere and the players are then will, will respond to the atmosphere. It's great that we're leaving Goodison Park, but it's also extremely sad. The history of that place, look back at what's happened in that place over the last hundred and odd years. World Cup winners playing there, World Cup matches being played there, League Championships won, FA Cups being won. Some amazing players have taken to the pitch in Royal Blue Shirt. But as much as it's going to be hard to, to go from Goodison, we have to. We have to move forward out of this. We live it. I think Everton fans, unfortunately, we live in the past too much. Let's look to the future. The future 
bright and beautiful of forever at the moment. And I think we've got to go the right way. We've got to make sure that when we do go to Moor, the fans go there and they make the atmosphere just like as a Goodison Park and we make teams fear coming to Moor, Doc. Mm. Paul, again, I just want to stick with Goodison Park. I think it deserves as much airtime as possibly. Are you a little bit disappointed that Goodison Park wasn't able to be redeveloped? Uh, no, to be honest, because I think I think this is the opportunity to reset the club. I think um, following on from uh, Derek's point about, in a sense, we live in the past. And I think the fact that we haven't uh, redeveloped Goodison, the fact that there hasn't been the investment in Goodison in recent years, almost gives everybody the excuse not to perform at the highest level. And I think what this now does, it it doesn't, it leaves no room for negotiation in terms of um, excellence and and uh, application of NSNO on and off the pitch across across the whole business. Mm. The owner has put the investment in. Uh, the people who run the business have done what's necessary in order to get planning permission. No doubt the contractors will do what they have to do to build the stadium uh, as Dan Mice first envisaged it was going to be. And now it's down to um, the players and it's down to the fans when, the, when, when we move there uh, to really put us back to uh, the pinnacle of English football like we were uh, perhaps in, in the late 1960s when they built the main stand at Goodison, um, going back in time when we were the first ground to have you know um, four double-decker stands. Uh, the fact that we moved from Anfield in, in 1892, we we used to lead in football and and it's not right necessarily to keep looking at the past, but you know, throughout my, my family's association goes back to the one one family member of mine played in the first game at Goodison in eighteen ninety two, and each of the generations can point to Everton being at the forefront of the English game. Mm. The stadium, the new stadium, gives us that opportunity to get back there. I think had had we stayed at Goodison, even if Goodison had been redeveloped we wouldn't have that same impetus, that same new opportunity of um, effectively of regrowth. We can still have all our values as fans, as players, as a club. But this is the opportunity to to really uh, reboot ourselves and, and to become, yet again, um, you know, leaders in English football and European football as, as well. Lee, an area of Liverpool that, that will hugely benefit the city you know, a 500 plus million investment, 15,000 jobs. It doesn't just benefit Everton. It obviously benefits the whole city. Can you tell me a little bit about the area? Yeah, obviously I'm no historian. Um, obviously living in this city all my life. It's, it's, it was the most northerly of all the dock systems, I believe. Um, but, you know, when you drive past it, it's clear the area around it's been derelict for, for years. Uh, there's a lot of, old warehouses and factory buildings that are clearly not used. So it's almost as if it's, it's stuck in time around the Industrial Revolution. Um, but I think what was clear back in 2008, the capital of culture year for, for Liverpool, there was a lot of investment in the city, but it was focused a, a lot around the Liverpool One project and the Albert Dock, which is obviously a lot more famous for people not from Liverpool. So the, so the, the city really did, you know, it, it, it got a hell of a lot better it, it was it was more attractive to tourists coming in I think, I think the figures speak for themselves since 2008 but that part of the dock area remained untouched and unloved so to speak um so this will give it the 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 facelift 
that it needs. Um, obviously, the, the retaining walls of Bramley Moor Dock are a Grade Two listed building. It's a it's a World Heritage site. Um, obviously, that's brought its own issues and problems with the, getting the planning permission over the line. But it's a naturally stunning part of the world that that waterfront. Um, and if you think of the the mass regeneration of that area and, and the jobs that's going to create, it's just a, a huge positive. Um, and even if you look at the design that that Dan Mice has done, unbelievable on, you know, down to the fact that the the, the brickwork is going to be aligned to the docks, so it's going to look like it's in the right place. It's not going to be like an ice store. It's not going to stand out in the wrong way. It's almost going to blend into the the type of building and the and the, the history of the dock area. So I love that Everton have have put a nod to that. Uh, and they're not sort of forgetting what the, the site means um, because it was a massive area for the city. Um, so it's about time that something has come along um, and given it the opportunity to get the regeneration that it needs. Um, so if, if, I mean, fast forward three or four years, how amazing is it going to be? You know, mm-hmm. all of us, you know, getting down there onto, onto the, the water from watching a game of football in a state-of-the-art stadium. Hopefully, watching a successful Everton side, and then being able to stroll into into Liverpool City Centre and and think how attractive that's going to be to to potential new Evertonians as well. Um, so there the, the really are no neg- negatives about it, Mick. It's it's a hugely exciting project, um, and, and I just can't wait to see it all unfold now and watch the watch the building work commence. It's just a massively exciting time for the club. Mm. Paul, I just want to quickly come back to you here. Um, you know, planning's now passed. It's six weeks earlier than expected. So, so what's next, Paul? The next step is uh, just completing um, the legal. So, at the moment, we don't yet own the land because that was all subject to planning um, approval and finance. So, we have to um, finish off that bit, which shouldn't take that long. Um, the financing now has to be signed off, and I mean, it's probably already agreed, but it has to be signed off and. We have to be able to give the contractors proof that we can pay for all the work that they're about to engage in. Um, and then the, the preparation work starts in terms of, you know, uh, first of all, drain, draining the dock, getting rid of all the uh, the fish that are in the dock. I said on an earlier podcast today, there's 11,000 fish in the dock, for example, which need to come out. Um, so once all that work is done, uh, then they can start filling the dock and then the 150 weeks worth of work in building the four stands and everything that goes around it uh, can start. Ben, thinking on the pitch side of the business, how important is it now that the next three years on the pitch for the football club is successful moving into the new ground? Oh, it's massive. Um, obviously, no Evertonian can obviously doubt what Farhad Mashiri has done for this club since he's been in charge as the owner. And he's backed us to the hilt. He's obviously got this new ground and he's pumping his own money into the club, which none of us can have a go at him for. It's been a, a bit of a whirlwind star for Mashiri. And he, did he get it wrong in the first few years? Absolutely for me, but it's a, it's a learning curve for him. And I feel like we've got the right foundations in place now to obviously be a really successful club. Look, as Lee stated earlier, it would be absolutely magical if we could leave Goodison Park with a trophy under our belts. It would be huge for the club, huge for the fan base. Um, and I feel like we're close. We're not quite there yet, but we are close. We've got a, an absolute world-class manager at the helm, an owner that's willing to back the club uh, and use his own money to help, obviously, financially assist us. Um, 
and it's going to be huge. I, I can't say how important it is. It'd be great to achieve regular European football in the next few years to obviously attract the players. You've got the world-class manager, Carlo Ancelotti, and just imagine being a player in Europe thinking, Carlo Ancelotti's at the helm. I'm going to this luxury-designed, world-class stadium that's getting built on Bramley Moor Dock with 52,888 fans backing me. And obviously from Dan Meister's drawings, the blue wall behind me, me as a player, as a fan, it'd be something that I'd be getting right on board with. So it is going to be massive, Mick, that the next few years we've got to sustain, we've got to sustain the, obviously the financial side of things as well. We can't be, we can't go under. We've got to get everything right off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And Nashiri will have his men um, in the background working hard, getting all this stuff through, as Paul rightly touched on before, obviously getting the funding in place, purchasing the actual site from P.O. Holdens and uh, gain the funded needed to be built to, to the stadium to actually be built, which is obviously five, around five hundred million pounds. And yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be a massive part of the next three years. Obviously, with transfers coming in, coming out, it's going to be a busy time for Everton Football Club. But we've got to get it right. Obviously, uh, Ali Shulzmanos offered us thirty million pounds for option of first refusal for obviously to actually name the ground. And there's there's whispers and talks of this two hundred million pound deal over ten years of the naming rights of Bramley Moor Docks, which would be also massive for the club, Mick. If we can get a deal of that magnitude, it would be enormous for the club going forward to obviously help the books, help the profit and loss, and obviously the incomings and outgoings. And we've got to get it right. Um, we can't be be panic buying and spending loads of money, and because not let's get it right. Financial fair play is floating over us at the moment, so it is going to be difficult. Uh, Marcel Brands, Ancelotti, and Mashiri have got a lot of work cut out off the pitch as well as on it, but. If you're asking me personal thoughts about what we want to push on, I'd love a trophy. But we, we, I've stated on these podcasts for months now, I'm absolutely desperate for a trophy. And if we can get one trophy under our belt before we leave Goodison, it would just be the fitting end that it's needed to obviously leave a place we've called home for so long. So, yeah, we need to kick on, get things right on and off the pitch. Uh, I'm really progressing. Be in, a, be in a position where we are able to attract these um, really great European talents and world-class players when we move into Brownlee Moor Dock in the uh, in the future. Mm. Degsy, just touching on what what Ben's just said there about about the players. You've been in successful teams. Do players now talk about this sort of thing in the dressing room and to their agents and, and so forth? You know, there's a big project going on at that football club, and, and I want to be a part of it. Uh, I really couldn't tell you. I really don't know. It's one of them. If the the thing with we've got Everton now, we've now attracted a manager who has one enormous pedigree and backing and, and past history. And if you'd have said a year or so ago we were going to sign Ancelotti as our manager, we'd have all, no, no chance. But he's come in, he grasps the club, he understands the club. The players are still having difficulty me finding out what exactly he wants off them. Some of the players, unfortunately, we said before, the, the first year or so under, two years under Mashiri with, with Steve Walsh, some of our signings were, were very, very average. We've still got a lot of deadwood in the club that he's trying to ease out uh, and bring his own bodies in. We've seen in the summer with the players he brought in, what a difference them three have made. It will now be up to the, the club and the manager to keep the club where we are because it will start then attracting the the bigger names, the better stars, the, the more established internationals. Because it will be, one, because of Carlo Ancelotti, two, because of the ground, and three, because we're successful. We have to be a successful team to get the bigger names to come to the club. But it all starts with the manager 
And then the, 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 hopefully one or two little things happen. We start picking up a bit of silverware. As we said before, it would be magnificent just to get a trophy back to Goodison Park. It's been far, far too long. But I just think players over the next couple of years, if we keep building and keep being successful, we'll start talking about Evan in a different way, a different sentence, a different way of life. Because at the moment, we're still not where we want to be or we expect to be. And that means we will only attract the players that won't be, won't be attracting the big the clubs above us to sign them. So we're, we're getting the ones that are below the top level. We need to be successful to get into that, to start attracting the top level players. And that comes with what we've got going at the moment with a manager who understands what he wants, who has a pedigree. And the, and, and the board and the, 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 the majority shareholder are now backing him. And, and that's the good, good start now. But we have to make sure in the next three or four years, we don't slip away back into that mid-table mediocrity. We have to stay in the top eight for me and build on and look for six, then look for five and hopefully look for four or three. But you just don't know what's around the corner. But I do see very, very positive signs of the club at the moment. Mm. Lee, I don't want to deviate too much away from Goodison Park and Bramley Moor, but just what Degsy's just said there, is there now additional pressure for the football club to succeed on the pitch? Now the project is looking very likely to go ahead while it is going ahead. Um, I don't know about additional pressure because I think there's pressure already. I think when you look at the investment machine he's already put in in the last four or five years, he's not messing around. Um, the ambition is clear from all involved at the top of the club that they want Everton back dining at the top table of English football. And it, and I think, of course, th- there's pressure naturally when you're a Premier League club and you're spending a hell of a lot of money. I think the pressure applies itself because players have got uh, bigger price tags, you know, they're on higher wages, there's more expectation to deliver on the pitch. And we're sort of seeing the, the green shoots of, of life when it, when it comes to that. But obviously, consistency is an issue because, as to Degsy's point, built too much dead wood, um, and you know that we're still haunted, shall I say, by previous transfer windows where we've not got it right. So there's pressure to get it right from this summer onwards. We've got what maybe if you look at it this way, six or eight transfer windows before we move to Bramley Moor Dock. So that's a huge window of opportunity to improve continually as a club. Um, but we're a good side now. We're just not a consistent side because we haven't got the the squad depth. But you, you've got to take heart from Ancelotti's record in the transfer window since he's joined the club. Uh, there have been clear improvements in the standard and the quality of the player uh, that he's been getting in. And he will be doing work behind the scenes now um, with his team, with uh, Marcel Brands, to identify the targets that he wants that are the right fit, both on the pitch and off the pitch as well. Because that, that's obviously, Degs will tell you, that's just as important on the pitch. And that came from the the chemistry that was off the pitch. So we've got to start getting that right as well. Um, so you've just got to put your faith in the team that's in place. The ambition's there. It's just got to be harnessed in the right way. And obviously that's what didn't happen in the initial stages of Mashiri's tenure because it, it, it was sort of like a, a scattergun approach where we were just going out and spending money on all sorts with no sort of clear plan or direction. It was all a bit rudderless. It, it does feel a little bit different now. So yes, the pressure's there, but I'm confident that we've got the right people in place at the top end of the club to get it right between now and when we um, when we move into the new stadium. Mm. Paul, I know I touched on it earlier, um, you know, the planning permission is six weeks ahead of itself. How will this affect Everton financially? Would this, was this going to work in our favour short term to maybe 
uh, spend a little bit more in the transfer window? I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure it will. To be honest, I think. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot of wishful thinking, which is, I guess, goes go, goes with the, the territory. Um, we're we're right up against the profitability and sustainability rules in terms of uh, the Premier League. Forget financial fair play for a second. We're we're so far out of that if we qualify for Europe um, that it's really not relevant whether we spend money or not. But in terms of the Premier League. The profitability and sustainability rules, which say that you can um, have losses of 105 million over three years, uh, and you can take out certain expenses from those losses, we're so, we're so close to that figure. Um, and let's remember that nobody has ever ever failed profitability and sustainability rules in the Premier League. They they were introduced after Manchester City and after Chelsea had made their massive investments. So, I think that's quite a concern for the club. Um, and it's all, you know it is also why uh, European football is is so Im- important. If you look at what already this season the, the English clubs that are in Europe have earned out of Europe, you can see the difference. City of eighty one million, Liverpool seventy nine million, Chelsea seventy eight million, Manchester United sixty million. That's in the Champions League. And even if we qualify for Europa League, Arsenal twenty two million. Tottenham 18 million and Leicester 15 million so far this season. That would make a difference next year, but it doesn't necessarily make, well, actually, if we did qualify for Europe, it would make spending in the summer um, easier because we would we know then that we would have th- those types of revenues depending upon whether it's Champions League or Europa League. Um, but without European football, it's going to be really difficult. Uh, and my view is it's going to be really difficult without without selling we, we can't add to the squad in any substantial way without selling if we don't get European football this summer. Mm. Ben, going going back to the, the, the Bramley Moor, 52,888 is the confirmed capacity for now. Are you happy with that capacity or would you have liked it a bit bigger? Um, it's a difficult one that obviously we'd all, we all wanted the massive 60,000 seater stadium straight away so we can all get in. Uh, and fill the ground but you've, you've got to see if like the long term you've got to see how it develops in the future and I think it's a good figure it's obviously a lot more than Goodison Park is now um, but we, we them like random um, FA Cup games against like lower league division teams can we fill that with 60,000 Evertonians I think we can but it all depends on what the club think and what, what, what's good to see Mick is we're obviously looking for the future though we're, we've built and designed this stadium with the potential of expanding to that 60,000 seater and obviously factoring in the potential of safe standing in football as well so it's good for the club to actually see into the future and potentially say like this is where the this capacity the season ticket waiting list is still chocker we can get more Evertonians in this ground with ease so it's a lot safer to obviously go for the lesser amounts to obviously fill the ground and work out a few things down the scenes of is it is it is it possible? Um, is it financially worth it? Because um, I'm, I'm guessing the extra ten thousand obviously be a lot bigger grounds, um, probably more cost and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it, it is a slightly disappointing, but look, it's going to be state of the art. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. It's going to be one of them grounds where people will just walk in and go, "Wow, this is unbelievable. This is up there, one of the grounds and." the best grounds in European football. And Dan Mice has said as well, it's one of the best grounds he's ever designed. It's it's that bowl arena to obviously get the fans close. It's going to be on top, hopefully keeping what Degsy spoke about before, getting that, the crowd on top of you, which I love. Uh, the blue wall I've spoken about before, it's 
it's going to be absolutely spectacular. Uh, and if we can increase that in the future, then then brilliant. That's what's good to see. If it was just a ball standard figure of 52,888, that's it, then you might have been disappointed. But look, we can't, there is room to improve. And depending on how we go the first few years, I'm pretty sure they'll have things in place in the future. And I'm just over the moon, Mick, as you can, as you can hear in my voice. It's just <laughs> such unbelievable news for Everton Football Club going forward. And as Paul spoke about before and Degsy, it's, it's absolutely massive for this football club. It's Yesterday was one of the biggest days as an Everton fan for me. Um, obviously, since the, the 95 FA Cup final, it's been that long. But it's 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 just unbelievable how it's going to affect us, how it's going to obviously boost the, the Liverpool economy in the Liverpool North area by 1.3 billion boost, 15,000 jobs, as you spoke about before, and nearly 2 million extra visitors to, to Liverpool. And as Lee spoke about earlier, it, it is an area down there that needs improvements. It is a bit run down. And... Just think what that's going to the development's going to be like there. It's it's going to look fab. I live on the Wirral now, so me going on my morning walk, I can look over to Bramley Moor and go, "Wow, look at that! That's our that's our new home." And it's going to be so good to be to actually watch it develop and come to life and see the plans that we've all seen on the the computer screen come to life. Um, but but like I said, stated before, it's just it's really good evidence as a football club that we're not just abandoning where we come from. We're putting stuff in place for um, back in L four. Uh, we're, we're leaving stuff there it's obviously helped the businesses helped the community we've obviously assisted MetLife, um sites for them to go and see um, and obviously it's just it's just brilliant Mick it's just I'm over the moon but it, it, to answer to your question I've gone off course again I've done what I always do I get all emotional <laughs> and start talking but no answer to your question I, I, I was a bit gutted but it is there is room for improvement there um, which is amazing for us Evertonians and just be great to get us all in there together. So, yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, I am gutted, but there is room for the uh, improvements. Degsy, 52,888. Are you happy with that with that current attendance? I don't know why we shouldn't be. It's it's at least a third bigger than Goodison Park at the moment. I know there's a waiting list, but we've got to make sure that, that I've seen the designs, I've seen the videos, and it, it looks absolutely magnificent. My, my one concern would be it's right on the on the seafront, and when the wind blows, it's going to be an awfully cold night, and it's frosty, and it's going to be, I think, could be quite worrying for for people who can't get around particularly well. But to be able to expand it would be fantastic. But let's be happy with fifty two thousand eight hundred eighty eight because it means we've got more fans in the ground, more fans singing the Everton songs, getting behind the team. I just hope and pray that over the next three years we don't hit any hurdles. There's always some issue. I know Tottenham had a massive issue with theirs. They ended up paying over nearly a billion pounds for their stadium. We've got to make sure that the budget is spot on and we don't blow it or go over it too much because, as we said before, we're not in a great situation financially as a club overall and we've got to be so careful that this doesn't push us over the edge. I I, I have spoken to people around the club and they're, they're pretty confident that nothing will go wrong. But as I always say, we're Everton. Things happen to everyone that don't happen to other football clubs. Uh, it happened in the 80s, it's happened since. And I just hope and pray that everything is in the right ship shape and Bristol fashion, that we take it away and we move into that stadium in four years' time. And it is the best stadium in the in the country, in Europe. And we have a team worthy of playing there. Mm. Paul? Can I be the one person to offer a contrary view on that? Absolutely, go for it. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I think I think 53, call it 53,000. 
is way too short. Uh, by the time it's built, that will mean it's probably the eighth, seventh, eighth or ninth um, largest stadium in the country. That's mm. not good enough if, if you really want to compete at the highest levels of, of English football. Um, I, Going back even as far as 2017, I, I published uh, data that showed, you know, if, if we sold, uh, <laughs> for example, if we sold as many season tickets, Actually, we had to sell less season tickets than West Ham. We had to sell less um, walk-ups than Liverpool. And we had to sell less um, uh, premium seating than Tottenham. We could easily fit uh, a 60,000-seat stadium. So I, th- I, don't think this, I don't think the club have been um, aggressive enough on this. Uh, I know that they got advisors in very early on, and those advisors actually uh, came up with a recommendation of 48,000. So in one sense, the club would have been a little bit more ambitious than their advisors. But there's no doubt in my mind that um, 53,000 will leave us short if we achieve the success that we're all, we're all talking about. Mm. Paul, just sticking with you, um, 53,000, a rough estimate. I think it's going to be 42,000 season ticket holders plus yep. a waiting list still. Minus away fans, it doesn't leave many tickets left for walk-ups, does it? And is that a concern of yours with a loss of revenue? Well, I, 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 I can understand why the club will want as many season tickets as possible because given that you know the stadium is part financed by debt, those that are providing the debt are going to say, we want to have security of income. We want to know ex- what exactly you're going to generate each year. And we're going to know that on a Wednesday night, as Derek says, when, it, when it's cold and frosty or when it's really blowing, that we're getting the revenue, whether people turn up at the stadium or not. So I can understand from that point of view. But I, I, I think again, it's, it's there's a too great an element of, of caution there. If, if if you reduce the number of season tickets, because ultimately season tickets are discounted tickets on on what the the day rate is, um, you can actually generate more income. You have more supporters. You um, you build the Everton family by having more walk-ups. Um, and I think you know. If you look across the park, they've probably gone too far the other way, but they only have 25,000 season tickets, and that's been capped for many, many years at Anfield, even before the, um, since, the, since, since the increase in capacity with the new main stand. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go to those levels, but I think the, I think the balance is too far swayed in terms of selling uh, discounted tickets and also selling um, you know tickets at a discount for... For, for, for young people and for elderly people, it's, it's great to fill the ground. But we've also got to look at the amount of revenue that we want to generate. Goodison is different, I know, but like we generate about 16 or £17 pound per head of people that go to the ground. Mm. Anfield generates £55, pound, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, close to £70 pound a head. Now, obviously, we're not going to get to the Arsenal and the Chelsea levels. But there's a big gap between, say, 16, 17 pound, which Goodison Park does, and you know, mid 50s, which which Anfield does. Uh, one of the ways of doing that is by selling, with, without affecting the cost to people, is selling less season tickets and having more walk-ups. Mm. Lee, are you happy with the with the current capacity that's on offer? It's really interesting to hear everyone's different points mm. of view. Um, I think there's a couple of points that. Um, raise for me I think when you think of Goodison Park we've you know the capacity is what just shy of 40,000 39,000 and something you, you've got around 10 to 12,000 obstructed views incorporated in that so I think one thing that 
puts uh, that that holds Everton back. Um, we could the appetite there. We we can fill fifty two thousand eight hundred eighty eight no problem at all. Because if you think about it, if you're a family of four, or if, or if you've got as many kids as I have, for example, and you want to take all of your family to the game, as a War Cup fan, that's that's nigh on impossible at Goodison Park because you're not going to want to pay, let's say, hundred and fifty pounds to sit behind a post and have an awful view of the pitch. It's it's not the experience that you're not you're not getting bang for your buck. Whereas we, when we move to Bramley Moor, that's, that's obviously not going to be an issue anymore. And people are going to be much more inclined to be willing to part with the money and spend that kind of money on, on a day out with the family because they're all going to be sitting together with a, with a really, really good view of the pitch, no matter where they are in the stadium. So there's that to factor in. But like you've just said there, I think, I think we've got just over, obviously I think Paul will correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think we've got just over 30,000 season ticket holders currently at Goodison Park. We've got 17,000, I believe, on, on a waiting list. So that brings us to 47. So if you, you minus that from the the um, the proposed capacity at Bramley Moor, that's only leaving just over 5,000 for walk-ups and away fans. So I think we can quite confidently say we could go higher. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we did further on along the line. You've seen other clubs do it. Man City did it with the Etihad. Um and obviously, any mo- any modern build, we're not going to be landlocked like we are at Goodison Park, which has prevented us from from building and expanding there. You know, the option is always going to be there with this new technology and this new design. If we want to go bigger, we can. Um, so, I think for me, if we if we were to ever increase that capacity, I just hope that it wouldn't be at the expense of the intimacy of the ground and the atmosphere, because I think that is also massively important because that drives results on the pitch. And ultimately, without results on the pitch, you're not going to sell tickets in the first place. So that's my view on it. Mm. Paul, before I move away from the capacity, Spurs extended their capacity during the build. Could you see Everton potentially doing that? There's two conflicting stories here. Some people say absolutely it can be done because Dan Meese said it could be done when he was at St. Luke's that time. Um, I've heard to the contrary, and I've heard that the only way now that the capacity can be increased, is if when safe standing is introduced, the uh, spectator density increases. So, i.e. you have more people standing per seat than, than you would do if, if they were sitting. I don't think, or it's my belief, that it's not possible to extend sort of the size of the stadium in terms of putting new seats in, you know, building backwards. Uh, either on the north or the um, the south stands, I, I, I don't think that's possible. I'm I'm happy to go away and find out whether that's the case, but I'm pretty sure that is the case. Mm. So the ability to increase capacity really comes down to any change in legislation and regulations in future years over, over safe standing. Mm. And of course, in a, in a post-COVID world, uh, how many people are really going to want, even when we've we've all been vaccinated, to have uh, higher densities of people? I I, I really question whether that's feasible um, for quite some time. Mm. Sorry to be the one that's uh, casting no. uh, negative <laughs> aspersions about everything, but uh, you know, it's good to hear both sides, Paul. To be fair, it's sure. really good to have you on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Degsy, moving away from the capacity now, Everton have now got three years to plan and try and make Bramley Moor as almost as hostile and, and intimidating as Goodison is. How important is it that Everton don't lose that identity and what we're all about when we're at home? 
I said that before, the Goodison Park is a stadium that is a lot of players never like going to, especially night, night matches at Goodison Park. It creaks, it groans, it, the roof moves. I'm sure it's shaking every time the fans sing. And it's a unique atmosphere. You're right on top of the players. Uh, the, the change rooms at, the, at Goodison Park are tiny for the away team. Everything about the place is not what they have at most other stadiums. And that's what it sometimes works in our favour. It hasn't worked as much over the last year because of no fans being in the stadium. But I just think that I had it when I was at Molyneux, when I was at Wolves. We we went from an old stadium to a new stadium and all of a sudden from having a, a dirty, old, smelly changing room, I had this all swanky with hot tubs and jacuzzis and baths with it. We could swim in and everything. And we lost our way a little bit because we, we were so used to the, the old style of ground with the old we all, all of a sudden we moved to this brand new horsing and all dancing with everything we possibly needed. That would be my concern. But if you think about it nowadays, the, the training grounds now have all these things in. So it's just like taking the training ground at Finch Farm into the new stadium. So we've got to remember that Goodison Park will will go down the annals of history of one of the, the for me, one of the greatest stadiums ever made. Mm. But my, my concern again is that the players move to the new stadium and don't quite grasp it because it, it, it's too nice, it's too good, it's too perfect for them. And we've got to make sure that as the fans, when we get into that stadium, we make them realise that we are Everton Football Club. We demand the best. The motto says that. Uh, and we want them to perform week in, week out, game in, game out. And I think the fans will play a massive, massive part in the move to Moor Dock. I've been to two or three of the, the newer stadiums and the atmosphere has never quite been the same as the old one, i.e. Derby County, Roker Park, for example. It's up to the fans when we get there to make it the stadium that it, it will be and, and will be known for. And that means getting behind the team from the minute we turn up there for the first game to the, the end of that game and then the next game. Because I think... A lot of clubs will like coming to the new stadium because it's new and it's got everything they want in there. But as the, as the fans, we can make we can we can help the team massively by making that stadium a fortress, and it's Everton's fortress. You come to Everton and you've got to do your utmost. You'll be pay your best to beat us, and not just beating the players. You're also going to beat the fans because the fans will be so important in that. Mm. Oh, can you just talk to me a little bit about? about how Everton and how this software can move like a community, which is within a stand, into the new ground and how they in, can integrate that? Yeah, I don't know for sure that Everton are going to use it, but I know from past conversations with Dan Meese that it's possible, for example, to take a sort of a map of the current stadium. So you you, you look at all the people who are, say, sitting in the upper Gladys Street um, and you can... If assuming that people want to sort of continue to sit in the same sort of, the idea is that you know different parts of the ground are different communities. So the main sand has a slightly different feeling to it than, than the Gladys Street and the Bullens Road. The paddock has, you know, every part of the ground has a slightly different feeling, slightly different um, uh, type type of fan. And the idea is that you can move whole blocks of people with similar views views in terms of how they want to see the game, how, the, how, how, how they experience the game um, together so that, that the guy that you you don't know his name, but he's like sat three seats in front of you and he always like makes a funny crack. Well, yeah, I want to be near that guy because, you know, I've been, I've been near that guy for the last 20 years watching Everton or the guy, you know, that goes 
15 minutes before half time um, for a pint. All, all the different things that make uh, everybody's match experience totally unique um, can be translated into a new stadium with various bits of software that are, are available and, and you know they've been used elsewhere. Uh, and the hope is that Everton used them because, for example, Tottenham didn't. And you know, there's been has been some difficulties in terms of breaking up communities of supporters. Um, in the same way, for example, you know, going back to the slum clearances in, in the 60s, they broke up communities of people that had lived there for many, many years and put them into all different parts of the city. The idea would be to get away from that in a new stadium. So to to maintain communities where possible, but also give people the option if they wanted to move to a different part of the stadium, have a different view. If they've sat behind the goals and they want to sit along the, the touchline, do that as well. But ostensibly to, to try and create the same communities that already exist at Goodison. Mm. Ben, looking ahead, first game is obviously set to be, well, it's penciled in for August 2024 and work is meant to be starting late spring 2021. How much now can Everton use this project now to future players and, and agents to say, you know, come and be a part of this project, join long-term and look what you can be a part of? Oh, absolutely. Um, what I talked about before, it's a massive pull, isn't it? And obviously we tied down Ancelotti, um, an extended contract and take us up to that point. Then he's going to have that pull himself. But as Paul quite rightly stated before about the sustainability of the Premier League, we, we suffered massive losses um, last year. And again, I'm going to sound like the negative one now, but obviously we suffered approximately £139 million loss in the financial year. £67 million that was put down to COVID. And without Mashiri and obviously injecting more money into the club, then we've been a bit of a mess, to be honest. So it, it is going to be difficult to obviously get it right this summer. Um, I, I, I'm on the same board as Paul said before. I think it, it is going to be quite difficult to obviously get players in. I don't want to be that guy to obviously question Mashiri. Um, but it, it is going to be difficult. you just got to look at the facts and figures that are out there and available for all to see, um, which are readily available to the public. It, it is going to be difficult. We've got players there who need to be moved on, who are on big wages. But if we can get that right, get the right players out, and we can attract the names. I think Degsy was talking about it before, and you've got a world-class manager at the helm there. Um, Carlo Ancelotti is in the top five best managers in world football, and he manages Everton Football Club uh, from L4. So it's just great to have him there uh, around the club for the players. And as we said before, it's a project now. Um, and, and you look at any young footballer, you, you're going to look at Everton and go, they're, they're really up to something there. I want to be a part of that project. I want to be a part of their history. I want to get involved in this new ground. Imagine that first that first game, if just walking out of this fresh banking grand, brand new stadium. And if they get it right, as Dexy talked about, and the fans are there in their numbers singing their hearts out, it's going to be goosebumps and spine tingling time. So to get this right, it's going to be unbelievable. We've seen Goodison with just under forty thousand fans on a on a European uh, night under the uh, under the lights at the old lady, and it gives you goosebumps being there every time. If they can get this right at Bramley Moor, then no player in the world will want to turn it down. That's up for me anyway. It's just something you want to be a part of. It's. And as Paul touched on previously as well, if you get the right moving people around in communities, you can have your singing section. You can have your, your, your fans that just want to go with the family, have a drink, have a, a nice socialise, but then you get your singing section that get, gets everyone going. And if we can get the atmosphere right, it will attract players for me. It's 
it's going to be incredible for this football club going forward. And you're going to have teams hopefully coming in your competitions in the Premier League going, I want to be a part of that. Ancelotti's got them going. They've got the fans behind them. They've got a brilliant ground on the front that's creates an atmosphere that sends shivers down the spines of the fans and fear into your opponents. And I, as a fan, want to be a part of it. And it's going to be incredible. It's just how good it's going to be. And any player coming there will think the same. Um, we've, we've got a good... It's took Mashiri a few years, but we've got a solid block now, a good, solid foundation to progress. I feel like that Ancelotti appointment was what we've been crying out for for, for years. Uh, I'll go back to my famous quote. He's the best sign in this football club has done in the last 30 years for me going forward. And if we can tie him down to take us up to Bramley Moor, then it'd be absolutely massive for us as a club. Um, and by, by what he says, he understands the club. He gets the culture of the club. He gets the fans. And I feel like he wants to be a part of it. I think he's come out and said he'd be happy to be a part of it. So we get him tied down, take us to Bramley Moor, have the players there that are going to play for the share, play for the fans. And if we get this right, Nick, it's going to be such a brilliant time for Evertonians going forward. And we can all get excited now. And hopefully that, that first shovel goes into the ground in spring this year. And we can finally get up for it and watch this amazing ground being built. Lee, mm. a, a new ground doesn't mean an instant successful team. How important is it now that on the pitch, Everton now start to deliver? I mean, off the field, people could now say, well, Farhead's delivering. Uh, you know, Finch Farms a fantastic complex. The new ground, he's spent money and we're willing to spend again. Mm. How important is it now that the management, Marcel Brands, Carlo Ancelotti now start to deliver on the field? Um, I think we've started to deliver. It's been slow, um, but if you look at this season, I think there has been improvements. It's been, of course, it's been frustrating at times with some of the unexpected results, especially at home without the fans. But there has been an improvement, and as I touched on before, there's been an improvement in the quality of the player that's been brought in since Ancelotti's arrival. So, yeah, it, it is massively important, Mick. Um, I think if you, if, you, if you look forward to this summer, it, it's vital. I think it's going to be a very, very strange transfer window for all Premier League clubs. I think given the, the pandemic environment and the impact of COVID, I think it's just going to be a little bit of a different one. So Everton have got to play the cards carefully um, and there's got to be a clear strategy for this summer to make sure that the right targets are brought in because as Paul mentioned earlier on, it doesn't sound like we're going to have a massive amount of money to spend. So, you know, that's where they've got to earn the money brands and, and, um, Ancelotti and the team have got to really work hard and make sure that they identify the right type of players, the right individuals um, to fit the style of play that he wants to uh, adopt going forward. Um, so, so it's massive. Of course, we've got to start delivering. Uh, as I say, any time you spend in the levels of money that Everton are spending, it brings its own its own pressures. And, and you've got a level of expect, expectation from our support. Um, you know, 26 years and, and counting without a trophy is just far, far too long. So there's already a hell of a lot of pr pressure to deliver. And I don't think that does Everton any favours. And I think that's where Ancelotti comes into his own. I think he's very, very good at calming things down. So, you know, if you look at straight away, we've he's, he's ticked a massive tick off the, off the list in, in terms of an away win at Anfield. He's done that already this season. So you'd like to think that going forward, he's, he's going to be able to further put his mark on the club settle us down a little bit more settle us down as a fan base maybe take the pressure off that little bit and enable us to perform more effectively on the pitch when he's his, um, proper 
squad of players that he can call his own to call upon. So a massive three years. But again, I've got full trust in, you know, we, as Ben just said there, we've got arguably in the top five uh, managers in world football at the helm of Everton Football Club. And if you'd have told us that a while back, you'd, you'd never have believed it. So, you know, the, the right positions are already there and in place. Um, and and the, the signs are good. So a lot to be positive about in the next three years. And I'm, I've got every confidence that they'll get it right. Mm. Paul, I know when clubs qualify for the Champions League, there's more money involved than there, it would be if you're in the Europa Cup and, and so forth. How important is it now that when Everton do go into Bramley Moor, they are at least in the Europa League financially? I, I think it's absolutely essential. Um, it's very difficult to see how we generate more income between now and going to Bramley Moor other than by getting into European football because um, the the market for sponsorships is not great, obviously, in a post-COVID environment. So if we're looking for new sponsors, the it would appear that sponsorship rates are, fall, are falling at this moment in time, which is perhaps understandable given you know the economic um, conditions that we face. And also, you've got to look at broadcasting rights. If you look across Europe at the moment, broadcasting rights are falling quite quite sharply. And it's interesting that the Premier and again, you know, I don't want to sound like Mr. Negative, but it's interesting that the Premier League was supposed to have uh, re- to have arranged the new broadcasting rights deals for 2022 to 2025 at the beginning of this year. And they've now put that back to later in this year. They've not put it back later this year because they think the market is um, is going that the market's good at this moment in time. They've done so because they they're hoping that perhaps if spectators get back into into stadia um, after the summer, uh, that there's a better feeling around um, the, the broadcasters. But there's a there's a without European football, there's almost and well, I say I say almost none. The only other solution, of course, is you know through friendly sponsorship from somebody like, something like USN. Um, but again, I don't think that's a sensible idea, a sensible strategy for the business just to rely upon USM to bail us out each time. So, with that, but without European football, isn't, there's no chance of of increasing revenues. So it's absolutely critical, and I think both the board and Derek, I'd be interested in your view on this. The the the, the board or, or the owner and the board making it very clear to the players that this is absolutely critical to um, the club's future? I understand, understand where you're coming from, but we can't guarantee anything in football. We, we've seen it over the years, what, what's going on. Yeah. If, if Carlo gets the right support in the next couple of years, we have the potential, after what I've seen since he's been here, to really move on and progress on the field of play. But... I can't say it's it's going to happen. No one can. But it, I think Carlo's mentality is totally different to the mentality of at least our last three, possibly four managers mm. because he knows how to win trophies. Our biggest issue is we've not had a, a manager who knows how to win things many for many, many years. I know Howard Kendall hadn't won things when he came, but we became a winning team by winning the first one. The first one's the important one as a team. Carlo knows how to win things. Our team at the moment doesn't. And if Carlo can make the team into winners and believe in they can win things and go on to the next level, the next three to four years, because Carlo already said that he wants to be part of this club for years to come. He wants to walk out to the first game at the new stadium. He wants to be here. Some of the players definitely won't be here. We know that for a fact. 
But those players who are here will be getting more and more of that winning feeling and that this is how we do things rubbed off onto them from Carlo. I'd love to be the training ground every week under Carlo. I'd, I'd love to be working to see how he how he looks and how he hold, handles himself and what he says to the players. But we have a massive, massive chance here. I know Carlo will be backed by the board and the club. I know the fans will back Carlo and the team. But will the team be the the right team in three years' time that will deliver us that European football, deliver us that opportunity to move to a new stadium, playing in a European trophy, whether it be the Europa League or whatever. I'm not sure yet, but I just do believe that the next three or four years is the biggest the biggest thing for the club and it is we have to be right in three or four years, three or four years' time to go to a new stadium. Whether in European football or not, we have to be in that momentum of still moving forward and I think Carlo is very, very important to the next four years of our football club. Paul, just, just coming straight back to you, you know, this is a very important stage for Everton Football Club. With the recent rumour about FFP being relaxed and removed, what sort of impact could that have on Everton? Um, well, I think, as I said earlier, and I wrote earlier earlier this week, it really doesn't have much impact at all because we're, um, we're so far out of FFP already, um, in terms of what our losses are over the last three years, in terms of European regulation, um, that even relaxing them won't really help us that much. The big issue that we've got, as, as going back to my earlier point, is that we're now tight against the Premier League uh, regulations and nobody has ever broken them. And, and there's a real concern that if we were to break them, that we would be penalised quite heavily for that. So even if FFP is relaxed to some extent over the summer, unless the um, Premier League regulations are similarly relaxed. It really doesn't help us. Okay, guys, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up there. But before we go, I'm going to go around to each one of you and ask you for your player of the season so far. Degsy, I'm going to come to you first. Who is your player of the season so far? For me, uh, I would have put DCL a while ago, but I think Ben Godfrey has been absolutely magnificent since he's arrived at the football club to be as versatile as he is to play along this, that back line and if needs to, could move into midfield. I think he's been a revelation this season and I can see him and Michael Keane being a, a long-term partnership at the back for the Blues. Mm. Ben, player of the season? Um, yeah, I agree with Dexter there. Ben Godfrey's been phenomenal. But for me, I've loved him on previous podcasts. I think decore has been absolutely monstrous for us in the centre of the field for us. Um, given that energy we've missed for years um, and I'm absolutely gutted he's injured. So for me, it would be the core away for me. Uh, just exactly what we've missed for years. Lee? Yeah, obviously Godfrey and Decore are both great shouts. But for me, I am going to go with DCL. I think 19 goals so far this term is an unbelievable return when you consider as well. We don't create many chances. Um, you know, and, and he's got to do a lot of it on his own. I think that's a, a massive season. And the, just the improvements he's shown has been phenomenal. He's now showing that form for England as well. So, I think uh, DCL for me, massively important. We keep hold of him as well. Mm. And Paul? Well, I've been different all podcasts, so I'm going for Sigurdsson. <laughs> <laughs> you are <laughs> different. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm only, only joking. Um, I, think, I, think, I think it's a, it, a toss-up and it's very interesting. It's between DCL and uh, Godfrey. Um, and with the greatest respect to defenders, I think, um, I think a forward should get it. So DCL. DCL. I 
Paul, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Lee, Ben, thanks for joining us as always. No, thank you. We'll be able you. to hear us next week from a view from the Bullins. It's a fantastic day. It's a historic moment in Everton Football Club, so enjoy it, Blues. In the meantime, take care, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to A View From The Bullens in partnership with the Fitzrovia Bell London, the official away day pub for all Evertonians.